Well, let's turn in our Bibles. I, I, I got this in the car coming, and then I lost it in the car coming, and then I got it back. So <laughs> it's funny how you can do that, isn't it? You get something from the Lord, and if you don't write it down, of course, I'm driving. But not write it down or say something about it to Scarlet, and it'll fly away. And then you got to go find your bird back to ask it what it said. <laughs> All right, Hebrews 11. We're going to look at some things tonight. Uh, won't, won't preach terribly long, but just a few minutes. I just wanted to look at this because, you know, Sunday night service is just free. However, the Lord leads. We're just, we're calling it hour of power. And uh, I believe we can have an hour of power. So we're a little, little less structured, you know, on picking songs and just to see how, what the Lord has. Amen. And, uh, like Brother Hagan used to say, starting out some meetings, he said, well, if we went home now, we could say we went to church. Amen. And felt the presence of the Lord. But it's good to look into the Word as well. And have something to chew on. Take home with us. Uh, boy, you know, some of those songs that we were, all those songs we were singing, a lot, I noticed a lot of them are confessions. They're, we're singing a confession. And those are good confessions to make. I've got the life, the more that the media talks about sickness and death, the more we should talk about life and righteousness and the life of God. And let no fear come. Somebody might say, well, what if I get it and die? Well, are you saved? My first question is, are you saved? And if you are, you'd be in heaven, which is far better than being here, so quit worrying about it. I mean, it doesn't help you to sit and worry about what might go wrong. You know, uh, and if you have that kind of a spirit about you, I do believe in the law of attraction. And whatever you kind of have going on, that's if you're not careful, that's what you'll attract to you. And so you need to not let fear and worry and fret take you over. And like Pastor Scarlett said, three o'clock in the morning, you know, when the, I think she said that this in the morning service, three o'clock in the morning when you wake up and, you know, thinking about what could go wrong. Well, my goodness, you know, you think about what could go wrong uh, long enough and you got everything going wrong. And, uh. And, uh, if you're not careful, again, stay with that. I believe it'll attract those, some of those things to you. And so we need to make sure that we attract the right things to us. Hallelujah. Well, if you want life and love and peace and joy and victory and power and authority, that might be what you ought to be talking about. Glory to God, and we were singing about it just now, and we're going to keep on singing about it, and talking about it, and when we speak to others, tell them about it, and again, the media is talking about death and destruction, and we're talking about life and abundance, abundant life, not just survival, well, we'll survive We'll wrap ourselves in toilet paper and, you know, leave one eye peephole, another hole for the straw, 
No, we're not going to live like that. Walk around in Tyvek suits. And um, like we're beekeepers, you know. Beekeepers in the kingdom of the house of the Lord. We're not going to do that. And we're going to act like and talk like and sing like the Bible is so. And is the Bible so or not? Hebrews 11.1, now faith is, praise God, must be important if there's a whole chapter to it and other verses. We could be here all night looking at all the verses of of Scripture that refer to faith. But this one, I wanted you to see something really cool here. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I have always added a little something to that to help myself understand it without doing violence to Scripture or to the meaning. And that is, faith is the substance of things once hoped for. Where Once we're in faith, we're no longer hoping uh, for that because we believe we've received it by faith. Do you see the difference? Hope is a good thing. It is an ingredient of faith. And hope is futuristic. Hope is the possibility of it being there. Amen. You remember Dr. Schuler, Robert Schuler in California. He had a great ministry and talked about possibility thinking. Well, a lot of people said, my, there was so much faith in that. Well, there really wasn't a lot of faith in it. There was a lot of hope. It was still a good message and one that was needed, but we need to go a step further (laughs) and get out of hope and get into faith and say, it's mine, I have it now. It's mine, I have it now. I used to teach at Brother Hagen's healing school, and I used to tell them, here's the litmus test of faith. How do you, you know, how do you tell if something's acidic or not? You know, you do a litmus test. What's the litmus test of faith? And that is this. How do you know that you've got the real deal or enough of it? And that is, can you say it's mine? I have it now. And as if you can say it's mine, I have it now. Well, where is it mine and I have it now? Where is it? Well, it's in the unseen realm. But if in, if you can get your head out of the five senses and over into faith, into the unseen realm and go there, that's where you'll win your battle. If you try to win it, arguing with flesh and blood, you'll just end up with an argument and they might take some flesh and blood from you in the midst of it. But we're not arguing or wrestling, as the Bible says, with faith, with, uh, with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. And where do we fight that warfare? Where do we fight the, the fight? Faith is part of our warfare, isn't it? It's the name of our of our shield. The word of God being our sword. And the shield part being the faith shield. Amen? Where do we go with that faith shield to fight? Well, you need to get out of the flesh and get out of your head and get in the spirit realm. That's why praying in the Holy Ghost, we're not just encouraging everybody to be as Pentecostal as possible just because that's what you should do. But we're saying be 
filled with the Spirit and pray in the Spirit, which is the Pentecostal blessing. The only reason it's called that is because it got poured out on the day of Pentecost. Amen. And so on the day of Pentecost was this blessing. And it's an important thing to pray in the Spirit. That'll get you into the Spirit instantly. You think, how do I get in the Spirit to speak to this mountain? How do I get in the Spirit to speak to this problem? To really uh, know that I've made a dent and made a difference. How do I do that? What do I do? Well, start praying in other tongues. Praying in your heavenly prayer language. Amen. And uh, and you'll find yourself in the spirit realm. Where you can, by the spirit, identify the evil that's coming against you. And speak to it and deal with it. Now that's pretty strong, but that's what I got. Hallelujah. And so, uh, the unseen realm is where we'll win our battles. Is where faith really shines. And uh, it's tough on our five senses because we can go into a time of the of a spirit encounter. Hallelujah. We can go into a, 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 a time frame of that. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. You get over there in the spirit. Sometimes you can be lost in the spirit for three, four hours. And, and it feels like seven minutes. And you look at your watch and go, surely my watch has, something's happened. You know, it surely can't be this late. Or other times, you feel like you've spent a long time in the Spirit. And you look and you've only been gone about five minutes. <laughs> because time and space is different over there. Do you understand what I'm saying? These battles, these war, warfaring battles that we fight are fought in the unseen realm. And that's the reason some people never win any. Can I just get really crazy bold tonight? That's the reason some people seem to never win any battles is because they won't go to the battlefield. You don't win the battle sitting at home. So you got to get out, go to the battlefield, armored and ready to go. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The devil attacks us uh, with our five senses. And that's where he tries to bog us down with pain and suffering and, and fear and doubt and unbelief and those things, right? But, praise God, we don't try to stay there and wrestle with him. You just get tired. What we do is we say, okay, I'm going to beat you. I know how to beat you. I know where the battlefield is. I'll meet you on the battlefield. And you go out there and you take the the warfare and you take the word of God the sword of the spirit, you take the the uh, the uh, uh, shield of faith and the other armor, and we won't preach on the armor tonight, but um, all the things listed in Ephesians 6, and you'll take that in there, in the unseen realm, and win your victory every time. It will eventually manifest in the seen realm. Sometimes it manifests instantly, other times it seems, for whatever reason, to take longer. But either way, you'll win. Amen. That's right. Is this helping anybody? Yes. So faith is, notice, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I added the word yet seen in it, because it will be seen. Or you could say the evidence of things in the unseen realm. Well, uh 
is it the uh, amplified that says the word title deed? Is that look? Let's look at that in. Let's look at uh, at verse one in the amplified. Faith is. Look at that. Faith is something. Faith has substance and weight to it, folks. It's not just a nice thought for the day. You know, your little bread of life thing you pull out and read. It's not that. It's something stronger. Faith is the assurance. How many like to be assured? The confirmation. Now, if you've ever booked anything online, like for travel, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Everything has a confirmation number now. If you pay a bill online, they'll give you a confirmation number. If you book a hotel, they'll give you a confirmation number. If you book an airline or a rental car, you'll get a confirmation number. We like confirmation numbers. Confirmation numbers has saved me a lot of pain and suffering because I've gotten to hotels before, very late, very tired. All I can think is give me a bed, give me a shower. And uh, you get there, and now we don't have you down. Now your name's not here, and it's nowhere. It's never been here. And so you go, well, here's my printed out confirmation number. Oh. So that changes it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Airhead finally, you know, finds the thing. So thank you, Lord, for the confirmation of uh, of of what? And then the... Is even better than a confirmation is a title deed. Woo! If you buy a car, you want the title. You want it clean. You want it clear. You don't want a bunch of stuff on it. And say, well, now I paid that. It's just not marked on there. Oh, oh, really? Well, you get it marked and then we might do business. But the title deed is, it's, it's cool. We have a title deed to this building. <laughs> no debt on it. And it's a wonderful thing, the title deed. Look at these words from the Bible about our faith. Is this helping y'all? I'm, I'm helping me. It's the, it's, it's, it's trying to get us over to see here. Assurance. We sang that. Confirmation. Think about a confirmation number. That means that you've paid and it's ready to go, right? The title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality or existence. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And uh, this is why a lot of people struggle with faith. They're just so carnal and fleshly and feeling driven that they won't get out of that for five seconds to look into a, a realm that's un, that's unseen and unfelt by our five senses. Now some people say, well, I feel the anointing or I felt the presence or I heard or something. Okay, that's all wonderful, but uh, nowhere in the Bible does faith call feeling faith. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible, nowhere is it, does it say that feeling is faith. If you feel something, goody for you. Praise the Lord. But the danger in, in putting too much emphasis on what you feel is, um, there may be a time when you need faith and there ain't no feeling to go with it. 
In fact, there's times that you have faith that what you feel is so unspeakable and so negative that it would you'd talk yourself out of faith if you didn't watch it. Does anybody know what I mean? So you can have faith in your heart with doubt and even fear in your head. And somebody said one time, well, what do you do with that? Well, you do it afraid. Have faith afraid. It's okay. Amen. Faith will overcome your fear if you'll stick with it. All right. Do you see that conviction of their reality? Some of the key words here are what we do not see. But what can we do with this power called faith, this evidence, this substance? What do we do? Look at verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good report. So by faith you can obtain a good report. From your doctor, from your CPA, amen? From whatever it is you're believing God for. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It's all by faith that you even believe in the creation of the universe, including the earth. And this is the reason that some scientists have a hard time with creationism. Because they want to see everything. Well, they're scientists. That's what they're paid to do, is to prove things out scientifically. I'm not anti-science, but there are certain things that they'll never be able to prove from a natural standpoint. Why? Somebody would say, well, the evidence isn't there. Well, I think the evidence is everywhere. If you look at this earth and how beautiful and amazing that it is, how can you not believe in God? You have to try not to. (laughs) You might be an egghead. This is the reason churches have double doors, for people with big heads to get through. Where hopefully we can help them. Look at... um, So this is all about, when we talk about faith, it's all about um, understanding faith, seeing faith, uh, acting in faith, all has to do with what happens in the unseen realm. And that's the reason so many struggle with it, because their head gets in the way. Well, I, that's, we have a friend, um, Scarlett and I, that we've, prayed for, and before we were uh, married, I prayed for this brother many times, and every time I'd pray for him, I tried to get him over to faith. Now, he believed in divine healing, all right, and a lot of Pentecostal people are like this. They believe in divine healing, but their head gets in the way where faith is concerned, and they'll say, well, I don't want to say something so when it ain't. Well, now, which realm are we talking about? Can I say ain't? Is that okay? I saw a picture of a church. Part of their sign blew down. The name of the church was St. Peter's Church, but the S blew off. So it was said, ain't Peter's Church. We don't, we got saints and we got some ain'ts. 
<laughs> it's about as corny as it gets. <laughs> well, praise God. This brother I'm talking about, a minister, and I used to hear Brother Hagen talk about trying to pray, you know, for Assembly of God pastors <laughs> back there in the 40s and 50s, and their head would get in the way. This is the most frustrating thing in the world. Well, I'm not going to say something that's not real. Well, it is real in the unseen realm. We're talking about making a confession of what's happening in the realm you can't see, not what's happening in the seen realm. If all you ever do is declare what you have in the natural, you'll never move on. Well, so this brother, you know, we would just... Beg him, you know, in fact, one, one time he came to a meeting and a friend of ours gave him a word from the Lord and said, uh, brother, you're healed in Jesus name. This guy had some things wrong with his body and caused a lot of pain. He says, you're healed in Jesus name. And, and he said, Lord, let it be so. Well, now that sounds in Pentecost that that'll fly. They'll accept that. But I'm telling you, it's bad doctrine. Lord, let it be so. Well, the Lord let it be so at Calvary. 2,000 years ago. Now, when Brother Hagen was holding a meeting for my dad in 1970 uh, in Augusta, Georgia, he had a healing line. I was telling Ken Jr. about this, uh, Pastor Ken Hagen Jr. Uh, Thursday night. But I, Brother Hagen would sit on the edge of the platform here in a chair, and then people would line up down the center aisle. We had two sections of seats just like this. The church was bigger, bigger building, but, you know, you, same configuration. So he's, they're lined up, you know, up the center aisle to come for Brother Hagin to lay hands on them. Well, we've got an old retired preacher there, pretty well known in, 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 in that part of the world and, and, uh, respected. And, and Brother Hagen would say, be healed in the name of Jesus, each person. And the, the brother in the back, I won't say his name in case there's relatives watching. He kept saying, grant it God. Now he'd go up and down. Grant it God, grant it God, grant it God, grant it God. Well, every time he'd say that, Brother Hagen would say in between be healed, he granted it 2,000 years ago. But Brother B, we will call him, kept saying, because that's what he always said for every prayer. Grant it God. You ever heard that? Grant it God. Let it be. Oh, Lord, may it be. Oh, let it be true, Lord. So he's praying, grant it God. Grant it God. Lord, grant this favor. Grant this request. But see, we weren't asking, we, I say we, I wasn't a we at that moment, but Brother Hagen kept saying, uh, we're not asking God for healing here. We're partaking in the healing that God provided through Christ at Calvary. There's a difference. Lord, let it be would be something you're not sure about. Well, they weren't sure about it. That was the rub. So... Granted, God, well, can you imagine he's the respected preacher? And Kenneth Hagin 
is telling him to be quiet in the name of Jesus. Well, he finally said, he said, he granted it 2,000 years ago. Well, Brother B kept saying, granted God, granted God, granted God, granted God. How many can hear that? You heard that kind of a singy song thing. And he says, uh, he granted it 2,000 years ago. Finally, he stopped the healing line. He says, whoever say and granted God, I command you in the name of Jesus to shut up. <laughs> well, at that moment, I knew we were going to have to get boxes to move because there was going to be mutiny on the bounty in that kind of culture. If that didn't do it, Brother Hagen making fun of the song that was just sung really pushed it over the edge. And he said, well, whoever wrote this is ignorant of the Bible. Well, it was a guy that ended up being a general overseer. Dear God, you know, I mean, you can't get any worse. And I'm thinking, sitting by my mama, I'm thinking, packing. Yes, we're packing. Yes, we're moving. This man is destroying the whole deal here. And so uh, then, you know, and though for those days, Sister Hagen, she wore a little bit too much makeup and ear bobs for some of our sisters, you know, with the Tower of Babel hair reaching heaven with their hairdo. And they were all talking and got a word back to him that, the, the, that his wife was Jezebel. So uh, he corrected that from the pulpit too, thank you. He said, it ain't none of your business how my wife dresses. She dresses for me, not for you. Well, that means you don't, you get more boxes faster and get the tape ready. Because the mutineers are ready to <laughs> storm the Bastille or whatever. You know, I mean, I'm telling you what. But anyway, it's true. Finally, Brother Hagen got Brother B to shut up. Of course, the offended club started. But uh, bless, his, bless the old man's heart. He didn't know any better. But that was the point of the meeting, was to teach us better. And thank God Brother Hagen did teach us better. To know that there's certain things you don't have to stand and sing song beg for. Well, back to my friend that we try to pray for. Every time we'd pray for him and say, you know, thank the Lord in advance for your healing. Like the book uh, my dad wrote, Thank You for the Biscuit. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But my dad, you know, growing up on the farm in George, South Georgia, there's 13 kids. And uh, some of them, you know, half of them boys. And they're working on the farm. They about each out of the house, you know. It's like a plague of locusts at every meal. And uh, so there would be one biscuit left, you know, the, the last biscuit. And everybody's looking at it. Everybody wants it. But my dad learned that th there was only one way to get it. And that was by saying thank you for the biscuit. Thank, you had to thank mama in advance for the biscuit. Not would you pass the biscuit, may I have the biscuit. Is anybody else want the biscuit? That'd be a dumb question. Everybody else wants the biscuit. But he could say, thank you for the biscuit and get it. Well, there's a faith lesson there. And that's why he wrote the book. Thank you for the biscuit. Great story. 
Um, and, and we just reprinted it. But, praise God, so, you know, I, I think I gave all y'all one Wednesday night, so make sure you read it. Don't just use it for prop the door, okay? Actually read it, because it's a good book. And, uh, but, you know, faith works, again, in that unseen realm. And so, if you're standing there, think about the recipient of a healing prayer or a healing ministry, and you're trying to get the person to acknowledge by faith that they're healed. Well, it's difficult if they don't understand that faith works in the unseen realm. That's where they got to go take the authority. So they'll stand there and they'll say, well, I still have the pain, therefore I'm not healed. I still have the symptom, therefore I'm not healed. And then they go to, Lord, please let it be tonight. Let this be the moment. Let this be the time. Well, it sounds reasonable, but there's just no faith in it. You understand that? Faith would say, it's mine, I have it now. I may not feel any better. I might not look any better. Uh, the doctor, if he checked me right now, might not give me a clean bill of health. But I'm saying by faith, in the faith unseen realm, that I'm healed according to what Jesus already did at Calvary. See? Do you see the difference? Well, a lot of folks just don't want to move on in their faith. They'd rather just stand there sing-songy. But the trouble with sing-songy, whiny prayers is that if you... Well, you know, you just want to say, how's that going for you? Because usually it just... There's no faith in it. And it's really almost an affront to God to ask him to do what he's already done. Amen. Amen. So it's okay. We'll pray, as you know, for the sick here sometimes. And I'll say, Lord, I, 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 I barely, I, I don't know if I've ever said the words, Lord, please heal Sister Smith here. But I have said, thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. Thank you, Lord. We, we tap into and claim the healing power that's available to us as believers. That's better. Isn't it? If he's already provided it. That's like, again, can I just give you one more illustration? It is like sitting down at the table and somebody has a great big, you know, bowl of beans and you're saying, what, can I have some beans? Why, sure. You want me to pass it to you? You want me to put it on your plate? You want me to stick it in your mouth? What do you want me to do with these beans? Because to say, well, I need some beans, I would appreciate you giving me beans. Well, the beans are on the table. Help yourself. And that's what we're saying about, uh, the, or, you know, cornbread or whatever. But that's what we're saying about, uh, the things of God. The table is set. The meal is on it. It's just a matter of us, by faith, receiving it. Taking, literally taking it. Taking advantage of it. Praise the Lord. So, I want you to see this. Uh, Again, things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel... Offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, 
God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. And then you got Enoch, and you've gone and on Noah, Abraham, Jacob. You know, you, if you kept reading, we won't take time tonight because we're out of time. But if you took, kept reading, you'll see all what we call the Hall of Faith. Right? Now I want you to notice that the Bible says that these did these things, all these exploits and mighty things, they did it how? By faith with corresponding action. Now, those three words, with corresponding action, you need to always just get used to saying that. When you talk about faith, you need to just add that to your speech. Faith with corresponding action. James says that faith without corresponding action is not faith at all, it's dead. Amen? How many want dead faith? I don't want dead faith, I want active living faith. Living faith, living faith. How do I get living faith that works and that thrives and survives and put and bears fruit? How do I do that? Faith with corresponding action. You can see that every one of these people did something. Now, the grace people, <laughs> you know, these, <laughs> these groups form pretty quick, you know, around doctrines. And I, I sometimes kind of go along with them for a while because I'm excited about what their revelation is, you know. Thank God for the revelation of grace that's been emphasized lately. A lot of people make them mad because they'd rather be sin conscious. But thank God for grace. Thank God for righteousness, who we are in Christ, right? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. How many is glad to know that, that it's in Christ's righteousness you stand, not yours? Paul said, I do not want to be found with my own righteousness that comes from law keeping, but only the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. Amen? Isn't that a great revelation? Our whole, you know, our church here is, is very strong on that. And as long as I'm pastor, we'll be strong on that. Amen. However, because <laughs> I'm not preaching grace, but don't worry. I'm just saying, however, some of the grace people, uh, and even some of the grace people have admitted this openly, publicly on Facebook and places social media, they have ad- admitted that they missed it a little in the front of the grace message because of uh, almost saying that corresponding acting in faith was not grace, that that was some kind of a dead work. Well, now let me tell you, prayer, confession, Bible reading, giving, those things, they can all become dead works if you're standing on what you did for righteousness. You, you're not righteous because you pray. You're not righteous because you give. You're not righteous because you, you know, do these things, right? You're righteous because what Jesus did. But in righteousness and in grace, we do acts of faith. Because the Bible says right there, and um, if you look, if you... If you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, and I do believe it, we don't have proof of it is the only problem. So we have to kind of choose to believe that he wrote it. 
Somebody said, well, it's uh, theologians say either Paul wrote Hebrews or one of his disciples because it sounds like Paul. And it's all of Paul's revelation about Christ is in it. Amen? And the comparison of righteousness by law and righteousness by faith. I'm coming to the close here, I promise. So, we were listening to a little guy the other day in a meeting. He said he was going to close five times. I wanted to strangle him. I thought, just stop saying it, you fruitcake. If you're going to close, close. Otherwise, just preach. Shut up. Anyway. I just sit there so innocent looking, but all these horrible thoughts are going through my head. Thank God for the grace of God I can repent and get straight with it. Um. But all these people, because of righteousness, because of their understanding of their standing with God, because they knew who God was and who they were in conjunction with that, they did mighty exploits by faith with corresponding action. That's the point of the whole chapter 11. Amen. Why would Paul write this, or somebody who was with Paul, why would a Pauline believer write that if it led to dead works? It wouldn't be in there. Because Paul hated dead works, you know, and said nothing is accomplished by the flesh. So our dear grace people... (laughs) Who are some of them are my friends, uh, and they have admitted that you know maybe went a little too far with that because then you had people that said, well, now that I'm under grace, I don't have to, and then fill in the blank. I don't have to pray. I don't have to confess. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to give. I don't have to forgive. I don't have to do anything. And it's like um, you're missing the whole point. Paul said, should. I sin all the more now that I have grace. And he said, God forbid. Amen? Well, I know nobody here sitting in these pews needs this lesson, but maybe somebody watching. But it's good for us all to hear it. Amen. And so oftentimes we will think, again, not in dead works, but in faith and in the spirit, in the spirit realm, in the unseen realm, we will think, I'm going to confess about this situation. I'm going to say what the Bible says about it. And then as I ask the Lord for the the command of faith, I will obey what the Spirit of the Lord tells me to do about it. Amen. Now sometimes the Lord will tell you, just keep praising. Sometimes, because it's done, the help is on the way. Or sometimes the Lord will say, I want you to go even to this doctor. Or I want you to stop eating this and start eating that. And I want you to, you know, gain weight, lose weight, whatever. The Lord will give you direction and you can act on that in faith. Or the Lord will tell you, I want you to give this or forgive this or do whatever. And you, if you do it, there will always be a manifestation of His glory in your life. (laughs) Preach, Pastor. So a person who is saying one thing, I'm a believer, I'm under grace, 
and then living like the devil, according to Paul, they're not under grace. He says they're still under the law. They have a relationship with the law. They're having an affair with the law. Because he said the law is the strength of sin. Some people have a moment of a streak of rebellion. Nobody preaches this at a seeker-sensitive church. But they'll have a streak of rebellion and actually enjoy breaking a law for the sake of rebellion, just for the fun of it. And so if you've got a person like that claiming that they're using grace as an excuse to sin, they're not under grace. Their, their, their relationship was it was with the law and they're fighting against it. That's pretty bold, isn't it? But what we have to do is submit ourselves to the Lord and know, and the Word and know that He's not trying to destroy us. He's not trying to take our fun away. He's not trying to, you know, make our life boring. God wants us to have more life than we will ever know. And I think when we get to heaven, we'll realize what little life we really lived here compared to what He had for us. God is not wanting us to cloister ourselves and sit with a bag over our head with eye cutouts and hum on a note like monks. Mm. I heard a good joke. You know, there was a guy staying. He went to a monastery for rest and relaxation and, uh, he, uh, you know, they rent out a few rooms just to go have a time of peace and contemplation. And he was sitting in the dining hall during a snack hour. And a guy comes out and he says, do you have any more salsa? And he said, no, I'm just the chipmunk. Sorry. We need a drum. He was the chipmunk. Get it? Thank you. And on that note, we will give you a refund for Comedy Central. (laughs) But God doesn't want us just sitting around like monks humming on the note. I'm not making fun of them. Whatever turns them on, God bless them. But I'm telling you, you know, uh, God bless whoever. But, and maybe they're helping in intercession. I don't know. You know, God knows. God help them. But I'm just telling you that for folks, normal folks, that's not God's idea of life is sitting around, you know, with a bag over your head and sitting on your hands so they don't get you in trouble and closing your eyes so they don't get in trouble and closing your mouth so they don't get you in trouble. Like the monkey, the monkey, you know, the monkey, the three monkey things. You ever seen that? The See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And, uh, and that sit around like that, and that's most people's idea. Most people think that's what we do in this building. That's what they think we do is weird religious stuff. And, and, and life in God is not about that. Life in God is joy and peace and victory and favor and even fun and, and laughter. Hallelujah. Woo! So, 
we're going to keep learning about faith and corresponding action. Amen. So there's your 1972 faith lesson, but it still works today, doesn't it? Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank God for light and life and hope and help. And I believe, declare this week is going to be a great week for this congregation. A week of breakthrough. A week of health and healing. Strength and wholeness. And a week of um, prosperity. Money comes to these members and money comes to this church. Money comes to David Horton Ministries. Horton Ministries, Scarlet Horton Ministries, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to talk about, are we still online? Okay, good. Let's stay there a minute. And um, I want to talk about this book. If if you'll go, if you're watching online, if you go to hortonministries.com, is that right, Scarlet? You can order this book directly from from the ministry here. You can also get it on Kindle and Barnes and Noble's website. But it's, um, thank you for the biscuit, should, should be biscuit. We added on the second edition, plural biscuits. So, uh, pastor told me the other day, he said, well, it used to be thank you for the biscuit. And I said, well, we've increased. Now we're we'll give you more than one. <laughs> And this was written by my father, W.M. Doc Horton. And then there's a foreword by yours truly. And uh, let me just read this backliner note for you. There's no lack in God. It's amazing how much we miss of what is rightfully ours. Simply because we do not understand that our Heavenly Father has already provided everything we need. God made these plans and provisions for our lives because he loves us. And thank you for the biscuit, Doc Horton tells about these provisions and explains how we can make them ours. He says that our heavenly father, like an earthly father, has established simple steps that will help us receive everything we need in all areas of life. Having faith in God and his word, makes it possible for us to not suffer lack in our lives. Okay, and so the book, you'll see the pricing and shipping information and all that at, uh, again, it's hortonministries.com, and uh, order the book. We'll get it to you as soon as we can. Okay? Praise the Lord. Well, let's uh, close out with a song.